Welcome to the North Brevard Church of Christ podcast. I'm Doug Hunter, one of the elders. We hope that this podcast makes our sermons and Bible studies more accessible. I thought I had a big bottle of water until I saw Williams. I don't think Camel holds that much water, William. It is good to see you all. I'm going to let you in on a little detail of my life. I like the action figure movies. I mean, just not like them. I've got to see the latest one that hits the theaters. Uh, My hero used to be the Hulk. He could turn muscles. He had them bulging. I always wanted muscles and bulging. Turning green was my problem. Didn't want to do that. But now it's Spider-Man. I just think it would be the neatest thing to swing from buildings to place to place. There's actually a place online called comicsalliance.com, for those of you who want to look, and they will give you the latest movies that are being made, and what's the plot, and what's the subplot, and this is just to sort of whet your appetite to get you ready to go to the theater. But when you read the plot and the subplots, something becomes obvious in all of them. And that is, there is, there is the good guy, Spider-Man, Hulk, they're good guys. And then there's the villain, who is this terribly evil bad guy. And the good guy's got to beat the bad guy. That's sort of what we're going to get into tonight. That Ephesians 5 says that there is, there are some good guys in the world. But there's some bad guys. But before we go there, would you pray with me, please? Father, We come thanking you for Jesus and thanking you for the people that are here tonight. Tonight is is tough stuff. So I ask that you help us keep our eyes and hearts open and to have the, the determination to be your people. Help me get out of the way so that people see you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a while since we've been talking about Ephesians. We haven't gotten there. So I thought we'd do one of the most basic things, and that is get a grip on the book. The book is kind of easy. Chapters 1 through 3 deal with what happens to us when we become Christians. And then in verses 4, 5, and 6, 
He talks about how we should live the Christian life. Now this is a typical pattern for Paul. If you go to the book of Colossians, you'll see the exact same pattern. He starts off talking about what happens to us when we become Christians. And then he talks about how we should live our Christian life. For Paul, he wants us to understand that this order is the correct order. This is the way it's supposed to happen. If you're going, you become a Christian, and after you become a Christian, your life changes. I've heard it taught, and I'm pretty sure you have too, that somebody decides they want to become a Christian and... and Some guy says, well, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you've got to stop doing those, and then you can become a Christian. That is salvation by works. If I work hard enough to get rid of this, and this, and this, and this, I become acceptable to God. That's not what Paul teaches. Paul teaches that you become a Christian, your life's not all straight, it's not perfect, you're going to start over basically from zero and learn how to live a new life, but the Spirit of God is in you and He's going to change you from the inside out. It's God's power that does the changing. It's not our power. And that's so important to grasp. He even gives us a goal in chapter 5 verses 1 and 2, that we become imitators of God and therefore, as dearly beloved children, we live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's where we left off last time. So where are we going tonight? The first place we're going to go is going to take most of our time. Living by God's principles. We're going to pick that up in verse 3. We're going to go all the way through verse 14. And that will be the longest. So when we get to the end of that, you can take a deep breath and say, it won't be long now. The second place we go, as you see, it's only two verses. And that is living by God's wisdom. That there's a good way to, to look at life and there's a bad way to look at life. And... And the encouragement is to get your life in the same mindset that God has for you. And then the third part is being truly happy and what God wants. So that's where we're going. And hopefully it won't take too long because I don't think my voice is going to hold out. But that's all right. He starts out with this. But among you, there must not even... There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person such a person is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes to those who are disobedient therefore 
Do not be partners with them. I want you to look at the first word he says you can be sure of that no immoral, impure person is going to, to be there. The word for immoral is the word pornea. We get our word pornography from it. We learn from the last verse, this is sexually immoral. So I put that out there and I say, okay, we've got sexually immoral, we understand. Do you see the other end of this thing? A greedy person. And you look at, okay, sexually immoral, a greedy person. What do they have in common? Paul is doing something that they typically did in Hebrew literature. You start over here, and then you have something totally opposite, and he's saying not only this, but everything in between. So he's including a lot of things that people know are wrong and would cancel out their trip with God. Why would they do that? Because they are idolaters. What he's referring to is what makes your life tick? What are the things that you really hold as precious? What are the things that you love more than you love God? And if those things are the things that you are emphasizing over and over again, then you're really still on the dark side. You're not being what God wants you to be. And those people that do stuff like that, he says, don't let them influence you. Don't let them become part of you. For you once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light for the fruit of The light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Paul says there's something that's very, very different. And he uses, now this is going to thrill your life. He uses the imperfect verb in the active case. Now aren't you glad you came tonight? You just thrilled that that happened what it means is it happened once and it's forever in other words you were once darkness that's where you were but now you've come to the light of the world and that is as permanent as you want to make it that sacrifice of Jesus in coming to the Lord makes your life as solid as you make it. So he tells you, find out what pleases the Lord and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. There's an old, old story about a newlywed couple. So y'all who've been married a while, think back. And he had to travel in his job. So for a couple days, he'd be without his wife around. And 
being a newlywed, he'd always looked to take something back. He ran across this advertisement that said, the heart that glows in the dark. Oh, this is going to be great. This is perfect. It's romantic. It's unique. It's the kind of thing that we can put right there on our, our night table. It'll be great. We'll get it. So he buys it and he takes it home and he gives it to his wife. And she said, we're, we're going to take it out of the package tonight and, and put it on the nightstand and watch it glow. And they do. But it doesn't glow. So the next morning he wakes up and he gets the package it came out of. And it says, exposed to the light if you want it to glow in the dark. That's what Paul's talking about. Expose yourself to the light. Those good deeds. And don't... Don't let the darkness take it away. Hold on to the light and, and you shine out. And you bring brightness to people who are doing things that are in the darkness. As you glow and show there's a different way of life. And that different way of life can touch them and, and can be the kind of thing that they want. We've covered that. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it's said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Don't go through life just bumping into things. You're in Christ. You've got the power to turn on the light and see what is there and where it really leads. People who are in darkness, they get told what is there and they go for it. That this is life and this is great and this is fun and we should really be the kind of people who... Who enjoy that. And God says, no. That's not what it's all about. You've got a light to turn on and see things as they really are in life and whether they're really pleasing and happy or whether they're not. <clears throat> I might need your big thing of water. Here, this is going bad here fast. So where does he take us next? He takes us to what is wisdom literature. Wisdom literature is like the book of Proverbs. If you read the book of Proverbs, there, there are two things that you run across almost every page. Don't do this, it'll lead you down the wrong road and where you end up, you won't want to be. But if you do this and you go down that road, you'll end up where you need to be. And so he talks about things like 
being able to put the crops out and then store them for the winter, that's smart. But not doing anything and sitting back and the winter hits and you don't have any food, that wasn't smart. He talks about the curse of being lazy, my favorite proverb. The man was too lazy to lift his hand to his mouth. He talks about those who look at it and they know there's something that has to be accomplished. But over and over and over, God draws straight lines. He lets you know exactly what he considers right and good and exactly what he considers a dead-end street that if you choose to go down that one, you're going to end up hurting. So here he says, I want you to look at what God wants you to do so that you can have every opportunity to do good things because the days are evil. So don't be foolish. Understand what the will of God is. And you say, I'd, I'd really like one good example of that. This is a chloroseptic, so my throat goes numb. So if it goes squeaky. The example, the example's found in 18 through 20. And I warn you, this isn't the typical way we've understood it in the past. But keeping it in context is so important to understand what he is saying here. Remember, he says, God has made some lines straight. He's let you know what is good and what is bad, what you should hold on to, what you should let go of. Do not get drunk on wine. Now that fits. There are people who that is what they love to do. There's a payoff. Those who get drunk on wine, at times they feel real good while they're drunk. Next morning they don't feel as good, but they feel really good while they're drunk. But here he says, that often leads to debauchery. When you get drunk, a lot of times people do foolish things. And everybody sits back and they watch these people who do foolish things and they laugh along with them and that's the fun evening. But that's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is to instead be filled with the Spirit. Remember, we started back talking about how God indwells you. And, and when God indwells you in his spirit, you're changed from the inside out. Now he says that spirit is there. So let the spirit run. Let the spirit become whole. And when you do, you will speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You'll sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for everything. In the name of Jesus, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let me put it into context for you. Here's this guy who is getting drunk. Why? He likes the feeling it gives him. He likes where some of this behavior that, that why we're under the influence takes you. He likes these things because they make him feel good. But if we're filled by the Spirit, this one you got to mark down. If you're filled by the Spirit, you sing to one another. See the difference? He could be selfish and self-centered if he was being filled by wine. But if you're filled with the Spirit, what another becomes important. What, the, what we're feeling becomes very important. And he gives us some songs that were typically used in the Jewish worship like, like psalms. They're the psalms that we read like we had Psalms 23 this morning. They're what we read. But the psalms have themes to them, themes of at times gladness, themes that understand when we're down, themes that, that get to the, the heart of life. And those psalms can be used to lift each other up. Hymns are directly songs sung about God, about who God is and what he is doing and, and what he's provided for us. And as we're singing to each other, we're revealing God to each other. Spiritual songs are songs that, that encourage the spiritual way of life. And why should we do that? Because we're remembering what the Lord did for us. We're remembering how it used to be. And now that we have the spirit inside of us, it's not that selfish, I want to experience something. It's saying, listen, they are important. Where they are in life is important. What they're feeling is important. And that's why you can always give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what God's always taught us. When you become a Christian, your brothers and sisters become more important than you. I've often talked about my daughter. She's one of the most important people in my life. If my daughter called me and said, I need you, Dad, just get out of my way. I'm headed for the airport. If her husband asked me, I'd still go to the airport. That stuff about the son-in-law is overblown. Or my grandkids. They are so valuable to me. They are much more important to me than I am to me. God says that's the way it should be when we're filled with the Spirit. We're looking for the needs of the other guy. We're looking for the ways we can help the other guy. And if they need us, get out of our way. We've got some things that we can use regardless of how deep our knowledge is of Scripture.
We can sing with them. We can tell them about God and, and, and we can sing about what the life is like. It's all inside of our powers. Now having said that, what does your voice sound like? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're not going to get a Grammy. What matters is where that other person is. And that you can help them. You show them your attitude. You show them your desires. You show them your goals. And you do that because you are gods and you are in the light. God sent Jesus who showed us so much. He showed us whenever the disciples got in trouble, he would be there to bail them out. And at times he would go off and they, he would explain scriptures to them. At times they were the center of everything because they would be the center that would bring Jesus to us. He'd go to a cross because of us. He didn't sin, we did. We were in darkness and he wanted to show us light. And because he wanted to show us light, he goes to the cross and he dies on the cross so that we have access to God. And we can walk out of the darkness anytime we want. Tonight, if you've never repented of your sins, been baptized for remission of those sins, we can do that. But this is Sunday night. You came back for a second dose of me. Your people are very serious about your faith. Get to know the difference between light and dark. Learn his principles. And even learn his tests that you care about each other more than you care about yourself. There's a way that we can help you find that. Won't you come? Why together we stand and why we sing.